Hello and welcome to the very first ever Pub Yields podcast with me, David Rees. And me, Jacob Anthony. So, Mr. Anthony, what, what's going on here? we got all the gear. What's happening? All the gear? No idea. Well, to be honest with you, I'm asking myself the same question, but uh, no, in all seriousness, I think what we're trying to achieve with this podcast is uh, that Saturday night environment shared with your friends down the pub and a couple of beers where we all tell tales and hear about stories of previous antics and uh, what we all get up to in the agricultural industry. Yeah, absolutely. Like I know whatever industry you're in, whether you're pig, poultry or beef, you meet up on a Friday night with all the other farmers in your valley or in your region and you tell tales and you, most importantly, lie profusely about how well you're doing at home. Yeah, I think uh, I think we've all got that one friend, haven't we, that uh, their flock of ewes will scan at 200%, but uh, then miraculously, come weaning time on Twitter, they'll uh, wean at 220%. Exactly, and hence the name, Pub Yields, because we all know if you're yielding three tonne an acre on the farm, you're probably yielding 10 tonnes down the pub. Because, I don't know about you, Jake, but quite often in the media, the perception of farming is quite dull, boring, but, you know... I'd say the funniest people I know are farmers. Well, <laughs> we've got to try and be funny, haven't we? Because if we didn't laugh, we would be, well, we'd be crying 24-7. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and personally, you know, what I think we want to do with this podcast is, rather than hear about Steve from Kent's methods for controlling blackgrass, why don't we hear about the time he had his stomach pumped, <laughs> his stomach pumped or, you know, something like that? Yeah, there's uh, some proper, proper characters in our industry, and I'm... Uh... Sure, the residents of Torquay and Blackpool would uh, agree with us on that one. Whether they actually uh, enjoy some of the fun we have, shall we say, is a, is another question and a debate for another podcast. But yeah, well, do you remember I? Uh, oh, here we go. Uh, do, you, do you remember I told you about that bouncer in Blackpool? Said to me, he said, um, he said, you know, in Blackpool they have to deal with stag do's, conventions, tourists all year round, but. It's the farm. <laughs> it's the farmers. They always need to prepare for. Yeah, because I bet that bouncer was absolutely shit scared of you and those noodle arms. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I was, I was probably just talking to the back of his head, and because uh, he, he had no interest in me whatsoever. Yeah, story of your life, really, isn't it, Di? Hmm, he's probably a woman. I think about it. Yeah. Right then, Di, you were the main man, the brains behind all this. <laughs> what is the plan, Mister? I have a degree from Harper. Well. Here on Pub Yields, we're going to be sharing a few pints with some of the real characters in our industry to hear their stories, have a laugh, and tackle any misconception that farmers are boring. Die. are you sure that's why you're doing it? And it's not just because you've had two years away from university and you still can't grow up, you still want to get pissed every night of the week? <laughs> Mate, you mentioned Pub Yields and, well, you had me a pub and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you're having a quarter, li- quarter life. Sorry about that. Stuttering by there. You're having a quarter life crisis. Right? <laughs> it was a good start, anyway. Me spitting my words out. No, I wasn't speaking well, well ladies and gentlemen. Hang on. Is Rich coming from you? You're only doing it because since the Farmers Weekly articles have started and gone to your head, you'll do anything to get on camera. Yeah, but I draw the line at nudity, don't I? <laughs> well, yeah. I suppose this platform's perfect for you, isn't it? You know, you can talk and talk and talk, and nobody can tell you to shut up. <laughs> Yeah, but in all seriousness, as farmers, we spend our whole lives working. So just hopefully we can provide a little bit of life relief for the listeners. I mean, without getting too serious, life on the farm can be pretty lonely at times. And, you know, it's well documented within the sector how prevalent depression and suicide is right throughout agriculture. Yeah, and uh, I know I speak for the both of us when 
we'd like to think that whatever people are going through, no matter where they are, any time of day or night, they can just press play on this little simple podcast and instantly, you know, just have two mates with them there and maybe feel a little bit less alone in it, Jake. Yeah, this is... We're, we're an incredible industry and both me and Di, we're really, really proud of everything to do with farming and all the characters in it. And we just really want to celebrate it. Yeah, exactly. And what better way than... Uh, only a few pints, isn't it? Definitely, mate. But remember, guys, we want this podcast to be listener-driven. Made by farmers for farmers. Exactly. So, of course, listen, like, subscribe, and all the rest of it, but also get in touch with us. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, at PubYieldsPod, and suggest any guests you'd like to hear from. Tell us what you like and what you don't like, and give us any ideas you may have. And slowly but surely, we'll mould the perfect podcast for you. So basically, Di, you want the listeners to do all the work, just like your dad does on the farm. <laughs> yeah, preferably, yeah, yeah. On that note, should we just get cracking and get stuck in? Yep, I think we should. You ready? Yep, let's go. Truth is, I thought it mattered. I thought that music mattered. But does it bollocks? Not compared to how people matter. If we are going to be interviewing people, A, you need to get to know us, and B, we need to improve our interviewing technique. So what I thought we'd do is I'll start, I'll be Louis Theroux, and I'll go on another little wild weekend up to Cumrisca Farm and interview the one, the only, Mr. Jacob Anthony. So, Mr. Anthony. Thanks for having me, Di. <laughs> Where did it all start? Where did it all start? Well... I suppose I don't really need to go into When a man and a woman. How a baby's made, Di. No, I... Tell us, what is the farm at home? What uh, What's the crack? Yeah, so um, basically we are a uh, traditional uh, family farm here. We um, beef and sheep, uh, running about 1,000 uh, lean cross Texel ewes, uh, 300 head of cattle here, 110 Welsh black across uh, Charlie and Lim, suckler cows then as well. And we do a little bit of outside contracting as well as that. We've also invested in renewable energy. So just a little bit of an insight then. I do know you look out of that window every morning when you wake up, die and yeah, think, well, for, what's it like on the other side? The grass must be greener. For those who uh, don't know us, we have the, well, I have the unfortunate of living in the same valley as Mr. Anthony, so I have to wake up and watch him cock things up across the valley. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the farm at home. Yep. But at 17, you went off to Harpery College. Yep. I'm sure it's an incredible experience. And would you agree that I've always stated it's just whatever walk of life you are in, it's so vital to go leave home, go away, do something. Yeah, I think it was quite quite important. I know, um, you know, the, the generic uh, thing to say here would be that by moving away, I'd done a lot of growing up. But I think more importantly than the growing up, which of course I, well, I actually haven't grown up quite a lot. Those of you that know me will disagree with that comment that I have grown up. But anyway, um, I think the important thing about moving away was the, not only the friends I made, but you know the contacts you make from up and down the country, and just getting thrown into a new environment and learning how to mix with people from all different walks of life. Yeah, and Harpery, of course, you were in Harpery were quite the alumni as well. 
yeah, there were a few, couple of famous faces in the uh, in the sports section of the college. Anyway, uh, I did I did read an interview with Ellis Genge the other day, and to be fair to him, he did acknowledge him. He said everything I owe, whether it's my England caps, it's it's purely down to the teachings of Jacob Anthony. Yeah, well, both Ellis Genge and Ross Moriarty seen a couple of the big hits I used to put in for the AG team on a on a Wednesday afternoon, and they did say to me after one game, do. I wouldn't, want you, I wouldn't want you tackling me. You chopped me in half. Yeah, well... Uh, they used to call me the Samoan Valley boy. And uh, you're forgetting that I've seen you play sevens at the Royal Welsh, so I'm going to call bullshit on that and <laughs> <laughs> move swiftly on. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, I, I had an injury over me that, that <laughs> game, <obviously>. <laughs> <laughs> I was injured. Yeah. Of course, then, second year, you would have gone on placement. Yeah, um, yeah, placement year was the second year then. I'm three, of course, I took in Harpery and... To be honest with you, Di, I think I learned more in that placement year than any of the classroom lectures I had. Um, it's quite important, the placement year, and the fact that, of working for other bosses and basically starting at the bottom of the pile then when you're on placement as well as a student. You, um, yeah, well, you don't always get the most glamorous jobs, do you? And I think that's a good thing to, to happen, really. It was good for that to happen to me and good, really, to... You know, it's helped me with my man management when I've come home to the family farm. Though. No, I definitely agree with that. I know I did a placement year and I spent the first two or three weeks on a pressure washer proving myself, you know. And what, I think what they, they call it, make or break, don't they? They'll either make you or they'll break you. And But I completely agree. It, it not only teaches you how to do things and how not to do things, but that placement year teaches you how to treat employees in future life because you have been bottom of the pile. You know how it feels as opposed to leaving school at 16 and having an ego and thinking you rule the roost. Yeah, it's a hugely important life experience to happen and it definitely um, gives a bit of realism to the job and how you you learn how to treat people how you'd like to be treated yourself and I would recommend if there are any people listening to this podcast who've never left home or and have the opportunity to leave home for a period of time and work on other farms, see other systems, I, I tell them to grab it with two hands straight away because... I really did find that middle year placement invaluable. And then, of course, you would have gone back into Harpery for third year. Now, you're all 18 now. Back into Gloucester. Carnage. Carnage. Do what you want, when you want, who you want. Hey. <laughs> well, Di, I think uh, you came up for a weekend. And I did come up for a weekend. You experienced uh, some yeah. of the life in Harpery, so uh, I don't think I need to elaborate too much more. You uh, you know how that went. and uh, yeah, I went up for one weekend, yeah. and uh, I got expelled without even going there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Di is... Uh, I don't know really if this uh, shines or bodes well on Harpery, or is it just Di is that, uh, that crazy, <laughs> inverted commas, obviously, hey, that uh, you know he managed to not even attend Harpery College, wasn't even going there as a student, and still managed to be... Uh, expelled so uh, <laughs> yeah just this is how crazy our die is no I loved it mate I loved it but then of course you graduate Harpery you're back home on the farm it was a college course We, I guess you can't really call it graduate can you well, uh, you we were, finished Harpery yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, finished your BTEC and yeah hey. <laughs> <laughs> you're back home you're back home on the family farm and straight away your father gives you uh, control of the sheep flock now tell me is that because he saw something in you he saw real aspiration he saw real he wanted to give you some real encouragement or he just bloody hates sheep um. Well, I'd like to say the former there, but unfortunately, I think it's the fact that my father, shall we say he prefers four wheels to the four legs anyway. That's probably the politest way to put it. Yeah, but um, of course, you know, in all fairness to you, you've made some changes and uh, anyone who's read his bloody Farmer's Weekly articles will know, you know, he's, uh, <laughs> of course, they're all for the better. You, you've moved Lamin. 
yeah, we moved lambing. We used to lamb in the uh, beginning of February. We used to lamb um, 600 ewes then. And since I've come home, we've moved it to an outdoor-based lambing system. And we're lambing 1,000 ewes now. Um, just just basically uh, sort of labours a lot better. And it meant we could increase numbers as well. So sheep are my passion and it's something I really enjoy. And I know there'll be a couple of you listening to this podcast laughing that a Welshman has just said sheep are his passion, but I can assure you it's not in the way you were thinking. I just enjoy working with the sheep and basically trying to make money from them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry too much about that, Jake. As we all know, sheep can't uh, testify in court. Uh, <laughs> we, we better move swiftly no. on, <laughs> Moving uh, on, you, of course, so now you're in charge of the sheep flock and you decide to introduce some llamas. Yeah, well, it's good to see that... Uh, Thousands and thousands of pounds spent on your education were, were well worthwhile. Either actually alpacas, mate. Oh, alpa- oh so uh, I'll be honest. I, I literally skim read your Twitter. At Jacob Ant underscore Cumbria. That's not even my Twitter handle. I completely forgot what it is then. So that joke's lost. Um, yeah, a uh, couple of years ago, a friend of ours, he had, um, he's got a small holding and decided to buy a couple of alpacas. He found them on marketplace of. Well, I was going to say of all places, it's quite a, you know it's incredible what you can buy on marketplace these days, isn't it? I, but um, well, why are you looking at me? <laughs> <laughs> I've seen some of the toys you buy, <laughs> not pretty. But um, yeah, so uh, he bought an alpaca, and he'd seen a couple of videos on YouTube of alpacas protecting flocks uh, from foxes at lambing time, and he decided to lend him to us one spring, and we gave him a go. We lamb about uh, two hundred and fifty lambs outdoors. Um, so we decided to stick the alpaca cream he's called we decided to what? stick cream yeah cream yeah I, I didn't name him cream <laughs> <laughs> yeah I would have called him someone else is the other one called strawberries <laughs> yeah strawberries and cream <laughs> and the third one's called Wimbledon but uh, <laughs> yeah no um, oh, you've completely thrown me now, right? but yeah so, on, uh, you're a pro you're a pro yeah, I'm a pro right Right, calm down, deep breath. Alpacas, right. talk. Right, alpacas, talk yeah so um, <laughs> so we decided to put him out with our new lambs uh We've definitely seen a reduction in fox-related lambing losses, but I think more than that, I've ne- although I've never actually seen him chase a fox away with my eyes, um, he really, really doesn't like my sheepdog. So, you know, to be fair, for you to see a fox on the farm, you'd have to actually get up early or stay out late. Yeah, beef and sleep farmer. <laughs> <the other day. laughs> Sorry, this is the only dairy farmer that doesn't like getting up in the mornings. By uh, but uh, we'll, we'll go on to that later in uh, his interview. How dare you? How dare you? Right. Since coming home, of course, you have become an ambassador for the National Farmers Union, the National Sheep Association, the Young Farmers Association, the Farmers Weekly, the Royal Welsh Society and the Agri Academy. So tell me, is there anything you won't do to get on camera? Canvas for Jeremy Corbyn. Well, yeah. Ooh, Jeremy Corbyn. No, 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 no. Let's listen. See, not mind. Uh, the free tuition fees would have come in handy. Ah, uh, the free broadband. I want it. No, but yeah. look, if we, I think we made a mistake last year. If we're trying to target twenty to thirty year olds, don't they all vote Labour? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Moving back, that I mean, I wouldn't canvass with uh, Boris Johnson. Yeah, Boris. Yeah, yeah Boris. What a, what yeah. What a. What yeah. a. I can't say those words. Uh, <laughs> no. But honestly, is there anything you won't do to boost your own ego? <laughs> <laughs> well. Right. No, I actually think that these getting involved in these organisations and societies are quite important as a young farmer. I can still call myself a young farmer, yes, I? I can see a few greys, I don't know. I'm just happy I've still got some head. Well, I, I, I didn't want to mention, but the light is just <laughs> bouncing off that head. God, who needs friends when you've got enemies here? <laughs> uh, that's even the wrong way around, do I say <laughs> <Yeah. that? laughs> 
Um, maybe having a beer doing this podcast isn't a good idea. <laughs> but um, come on, you're a pro. I'm a pro, right? You're an ambassador. Come on, you're a okay, big time. Here we go. Here we go again. Um, yeah, but no, getting involved in these societies, I think, it's quite important as a young farmer. At the end of the day, there's a lot of issues that affect us, and this is basically a platform where we can raise these issues and get them heard by decision makers and people who really can have a lot of influence. So, I just encourage as many people to take up the opportunities that are there whenever they possibly can anyone that's got aspirations to, or feels very strongly about the agricultural industry as a whole just get involved in these societies have these you, organizations have you raised my issue with the royal Welsh society yet or? yeah i'll bring it up in the next meeting Di. no my my issue being the I, members, I, I, I i do believe there should be a free bar in members there should be i yeah, think I'll, if we're I'll, working here all year round to produce food the very least we deserve well, if you can come to one of Michael Morgan fundraisers, then uh, maybe I'll see if I will actually bring I stewarded it the tractor run. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, but you've got to do at least three. We, we just sat in the roundabout and sent tractors the wrong way. <laughs> right, I really don't need to be hearing this. No, but in all seriousness, it was 2018 now, wasn't it? You went and only went and won the Farmers Weekly Young Farmer of the Year. Now, I don't care about the process. All I care about is the function in the night. £300 a ticket, is that right? Yeah, expensive, but bloody hell, worthwhile, worth every single penny. What an incredible event. Honestly, unless you actually go to it, I don't know how to even paint the picture to people. It's phenomenal. You've got to be there to actually believe it. Hundreds and hundreds of farmers hillbillies like ourselves in black ties in the middle of London in one of the most prestigious hotels. Yeah, I, I'm just sort of picturing Blackpool, but it's about £12 a pint. Yeah, you've pretty much hit the nail on yeah. the head. Uh, <laughs> and your mum and dad's with it. And my mum and dad's <laughs> with me, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the, the after social wasn't too bad either. Dying, well, but, I was going to uh, say, you, I imagine you would have put that yellow plaque, the prestigious yellow plaque under your arm and just ventured out to London, wouldn't you? Yeah, a group of us, we um, we left the event basically when last orders came in, had a few Jaeger bombs, getting a bit leery. Um, we decided to venture off out into London. We went to the first club where we were told that a lot of the people that had attended the Farmers Weekly Awards would go in and we couldn't get in there. Unfortunately, it was up to capacity. And someone that was with us, a gentleman from, I'm not going to say the name of the uh, meat processing plant, but a gentleman knew where another... What, uh, underground the, venue another venue was so we um we followed him you know trotting behind him you know excited little valley boy you know never been to london before well we walked down these steps and i thought oh, the girl's nice outfit by there girls, you know <laughs> she's she brave be, she must be cold though because you know we're, we're in october now you know christmas is coming she must be cold but you know i suppose it, it is subtropical in london so a little bit different to a home isn't it they're not an 80 inches of rainfall a year are they no no so um yeah we ventured down and i thought blammin heck these bar staff you know i, I hope the girls in Bridgen start wearing some of this stuff but uh turns out that uh, it was actually a strip club but uh, uh um, your, your old man with you or? yeah my old man was with me and uh, <laughs> just to make the story even funnier my mother was actually with me he um uh, i've just got this image in my head of i i don't know how these venues work or what um what goes on in these establishments. Die, every single time we go on a stag do together, the first <laughs> thing you do is find out where the nearest strip club is. I use this envision, rather than, you know, appropriately placing a five-pound note, you're just trying to shove this great big yellow shield. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, oh my god! Yeah. Remember the serious podcast? We... No, no, yeah, no, no. Serious podcast. Right? Yeah, but no, I imagine it would have been a great night. Yeah, if we could uh, keep that story between us, listeners, that would be great. Yeah, no, but didn't you uh, lose the uh, plaque? No, I didn't actually lose the plaque. I just happened to leave it somewhere safely, and I, <laughs> I, I came back for it a couple of moments later. You know. I just left it with Monique. She promised she'd look after it. <laughs> Chardonnay. But honestly, I I know I've taken that proverbial for about two years now, but it is quite the achievement, mate. Fair play. Um, Thanks, I appreciate that, mate. No, and uh, what I really liked, I know you're going to get all blushing now, but what I really liked is I read an article you put after you'd won it, and you said, although my name's on it, and I went up and got it, it's for the family, and I really appreciate it. I thought that was bloody, bloody yeah, bold of you. Yeah, uh, 100%. Uh, I wouldn't have got that without the support of my family. Like I said earlier, we are a true family farm. There's, you know, there's myself, the farms here, 27, there's my father, early 50s, and there's my grandfather, 88, as well as my mother and my little sister as well, and we all work every single day as a team and as a unit together. So, yeah, and I think, like, that was for us all. And as you say, I think when we're our age, we just sort of take things in our stride and we don't really appreciate things. But like, you take your father, especially your grandfather, that would have just been vindication that a lifetime of work is not only appreciated, but is like you've just literally, quite literally rewarded. You know, it, it's like every sacrifice they've made, every decision they've made. Well, you know, it, it now now it's uh, coming to fruition. Yeah, I think though that's something that's quite special and unique about the farming industry, really, isn't it? That we've constantly got in the back of our heads every single decision we make on the farm is for the next generation. We yeah. are basically you hear a lot with sports teams they don't own the jersey. They're just looking after the jersey, ready for the custodians. next person. Custodians, yeah. And I think that's what we are as farmers, really. We want to leave the farm almost in a better place than maybe when we found it. Or we just want to make sure really it's here for future generations. What has been happening now in the last two years? Well, you know, come back, bit of reality in the last two years. You know, we um pushing on with the farm now. We've um introduced some uh, new genetics into the flock. We... Uh, started as well we've introduced a couple of herifords we're going down that line as well with the cattle as well as expanding our equine forage uh, enterprise but um more than that i have actually been your side bitch in young farmers the last couple of years because <laughs> you are mr chairman currently when you were chairman you cleaned the cleaned the slate oh i was, yeah but i was lucky again i had a really good team and i was really really fortunate and um Oh yeah, don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying it's anything to do with you. Oh right, okay. I was just saying it just ha- <laughs> it just happened. The Wembridge ended a really good year. You were in charge. Yeah, I. Well, just... I say in charge. You, you, your name was by the docket. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> I, I had a really good secretary, and she pretty much done everything for me. But uh, yeah, no, um, young farmers has been a huge, huge part of my life over the years now, and um, you know the, I think young farmers is such a brilliant organization, and the good thing about it is you, the life skills you learn, the friends you make, and really i think it's great now that you particularly now die when you've been chairman this last year you've really tried to put the farming back into young farmers and i think that's what is really really important is that we make sure that farming is still at the core of every decision made throughout the organization yeah definitely so um definitely. yeah i yeah well pretty much that's that's my life story really how, dies, de- how so. de- can i just say how depressing is it 
when you have to summarise 25... How many are you now, 26? Yeah, I'm 27 now. 27? God, I'm I'm still a pup. uh, When you have to... How demoralising it when you have to uh, put 27 years into about four... What was it? 15 minutes. Yeah, well... Yeah, pretty much sums up my life. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty quick, it's flown me by, but... Anyway, now, listeners, I think we need to go on to the main man, Mr. David Rees. Yeah, but just to warn you, Di, my interview skills are, well... His I name is Louis skills. Theroux. Louis Theroux. No, I, I'm going for more the Piers Morgan on GMTV trying to interview some conservative front benchers. That's the angle I'm And I'll be that for. awkward bird next to him. I can't believe what he's saying. Yeah, Susan? Uh, Susan? Susan? Yeah, I don't know. Irrelevant, you know. But, uh, yeah, so, Di... We look alike. Yeah, you do look alike. <laughs> you do look alike. Like, yeah, so then, Di... Tell us a little bit about yourself. Basically, my father was a tenant farmer until about uh, 1997, and uh, the farm he was farming at the time, uh, the owners decided to uh, demolish it, which you know I can only imagine. It must have been pretty demoralising for him. Like It's a lifetime yeah. of work, and uh, it's been left to rubble about what he decided. I suppose the only thing more demoralising for him watching is what I've become, watching yeah. you grow up. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, that was a piece of cake. I wasn't better this. No, um, but what he decided to do so he managed to buy a, a parcel of land and just slowly started building on it so he, he put um he put a mobile home there originally and uh, built a house and just year on year on year we've built shed after shed after shed and as when that um tenant farm was demolished he was a dairy farmer but of course go into a green field he couldn't um milk cows but in 2006 he was finally able to have enough sheds and have enough um, infrastructure to go back into dairy. So now we're, we've got 100 cows and we're running 400 sheep on 300 acres. And um, the plan is, yeah, to slowly cut back on the sheep and just keep driving the dairy herd. As, as more sheds go up, the dairy cows will go up. So um, your father died, Geraint, a really nice bloke, hell of a worker. He must have been quite confident that there was a future in the dairy sector because at that time when you went in, did you say 2006? Yeah. Um, the outlook for the dairy industry wasn't particularly bright at oh, that it, time. It, it, so, it, it, what really gave him the confidence that there was going to be a future for him in that industry and to be able to bring a son up like yourself, <laughs> uh, who, although you don't like milking cows, you like the idea of dairy cows? Uh, you know, I don't know where this comes from. I literally milk cows every day of my life, and every yeah, time only, I go... only the four o'clock in the afternoon milking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's better radio on that. No, <laughs> no, um, who loves a bit of Nick Grimshaw? Oh, don't start. <laughs> This is why I'm making this podcast. I have something to listen to. Uh, no, um, dairy, whatever you say about it, it's a check every month. Yeah. It's and like I always, I always joke to all my arable mates who are, or you know, are waiting for. You have a check every month, and if that doesn't quite tide you over, you've got some calves to sell in between as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's 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 incredible industry for cash flow, and what I really love about it is the routine. You wake up, you know what you got to go do, and you just do it. Yeah. And it's day in day out. Some people might call it monotonous, but I'd rather be regimented like that than you know playing it playing it day by day. God, die! You've nearly convinced me to be a to be a dairy farmer, but mate, no. I've told you what we're gonna do. We're gonna have you're gonna you're gonna produce the silage, and then you're gonna ship it up to me. We're gonna clamp it up mine. I'll milk them, and then you can run the young stock in the winter. Do I still have to get up to do any morning milkings? <laughs> that no, could no. be a sticking point. No, no, you, you'll just be the face of the uh, the uh, organization. But no, that's the farm at home. We're um, and of course, you know, we're talking about the dairy, but we still got four hundred breeder news. Um, 
basically, if we can make money off someone, we'll try and make money out of it. Yeah, well, exactly, and it says enough. But I've got to say, I've seen your farm. You know, I've been there several times. I've, you know, I just look across the valley sometimes, and I got to say, you and your father, you're doing an incredible job, and to still be able to justify milking in the area you are, I can guarantee there wouldn't be many farmers that would be farming. Well, I can't think of any others that are farming locally in the actual heart of the, the South Wales Valleys still manage to produce a, a dairy herd. Do Gro- growing grass on coal. Growing grass on coal, <laughs> basically. But um, no, you're doing a great job there, Di, and it's no, great, to, like, great to see, really, and it's great to see some black and white cows still in the valley. Tell us a little bit about your A levels and I. I know you, you know, not many people around you decide to stay on for their A levels when they finish school. But especially in our young farmers club, you were the um, the exception to the rules. So tell us a little bit about why you decided to stay on and do your A levels and what it was like, uh, you know, in my state comp. I, I I love school and I did really well and hence why I stayed on for A level. My GCSEs, you know, were bloody good, so I stayed on and did A levels, and um, I had an A, A and an E. What did you get the E in, Di? Uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's what the listeners will like to know. <laughs> so I had two A's and the third was an E. And the reason I had an E was um, basically our A-levels, you did an exam in January and you did an exam in June. And you they took an average of the two and that was your overall grade. So my E was in physics. And I did my January exam and I had a C. And a bit... You don't like getting physical in anything? Uh, no, no. <laughs> And then come June, I thought, oh, I'm going to have to really hit this out of the park now to get that grade up. But anyway, I um, I may have got the dates of the exams a little bit muddled up. So one day I was down Kamar the Market with the old man and we were buying cows. And I had a ring- phone call from the head teacher basically saying, where are you? Everyone has just sat down for their physics exam, bar you. But what I really find funniest about it is you imagine that head teacher mm. ringing me now. Yeah. Do you know when you ring someone in the market? What do you hear? I just love the idea of going, what are you doing? <laughs> but no, so um, we basically... She probably thought you were at the local park, <laughs> the top end of the valley, Dad. What the head teacher had said, she said, well, the rule is, if you get here within an hour of the exam starting, you can still sit it. Mm. And Kamala Market, from me, is about 55 minutes away. Yeah. So we had a five-minute window. Basically, we we'd bought two cows we threw them in the back of the box. We latched up, didn't even pay, just screamed, we'll send a check, as we were bombing it out. Does your dad drive faster than you, Dad? Well, <laughs> nobody drives faster than me. No, uh, <laughs> the problem my father had was he was trying to bomb it, but at the same time, had two cows and didn't want to rock. He just spent a fortune on two cows, didn't want to yeah. rock these nice leifers. Yeah, of course. Do, you know those, um, do you know those challenges on Top Gear when they're trying to go as fast as they can, but there's some reason, like, you know... Yeah, they don't want to spill the, uh, it, the egg tray yeah, or something. Yeah, it yeah. was basically like that. We get to school and I got about two or three minutes to spare. But of course, I haven't even looked at this exam. I think this is exam is a fortnight away. I, I don't know about you. I, I, you, you, you do your revision a couple of nights before. Yeah, yeah. I haven't even looked. At, I haven't got a bloody clue, right? So anyway, I just sit down. I do this exam. I get 17 out of 100, which is a U. Just fail. 17 out of 100. But you know what's really interesting, right? I had a 17 out of 100 and a C. The average E passed go to Harper. If I hadn't bothered and had zero, the average would have been U, don't go to Harper. So because we did that that day, I went to Harper. Right, okay. <laughs> We're on to Di's favourite topic now. And you will all, well, I think you'll all gradually get to understand there'll be a little, of a, little bit of a reoccurring theme here. He just mentioned Harper three times in about... One sentence. One sentence. So 
Di, tell us all about your favourite topic. But just before you go on to Harper, I would just like to let the listeners uh, know that we've got a little thing in our friendship group because Di likes to go on about Harper quite a lot. Uh, many of you will have watched the uh, television series The Inbetweeners. So uh, every single time Di mentions the word Harper, I will be blocking it out with uh, a little... Uh, beep, 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 beep. Yes, that's it, Di. Beep, 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 beep. That's all I get. Beep, 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 beep. Come so, on, tell us about Harper. Come on, no, no, no. First year, Harper. Beep, 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 beep. Mental. First year, mental. So, did you... Uh, the big question is, did you kiss a girl? Oh, oh. no, mate. I, I'm still yet to get that bloody out of the way. No. Oh, well, one day it's going to come. <laughs> no, well, uh, t- tell us, in all seriousness now, um, obviously, probably the most prestigious university now in the UK... When it comes to agriculture, you know, I, I've got no allegiance to Harper, but a, everywhere you look in the press, they seem I to be wish. doing some incredible things. Harper, till I die. <laughs> no, um, Harper seem to be doing some incredible things. But really, though, Di, what made you choose Harper Adams and how did you decide upon this, you know, quite well-known establishment in the middle of Shropshire? Well, to be honest, all my life, there was not... I wasn't even going to do A-levels. I wasn't even going to go to uni. I, there was none of this talk. But then it, it just sort of just... Everything just fell into place. Like, well, you've done well in your GCSEs. You're going to have to do well in your A-levels. Oh, well, your A-levels are good enough. You'll have to go to uni. I always thought Harper... See, I went to an open day. I thought Harper seems just right. Aberist with... I was worried because I don't speak Welsh. And my third choice, Siren. Well, you know... I, I didn't have enough tweed coats for that place, and um, right. Let's try. Let's try and uh, keep it as uh, yeah, yeah. possible <laughs> yeah. and not go bashing other universities. Because, <laughs> because there's some jokes I'm sure we can all say about Harper. Because uh, yeah, well, they Harper this, Harper that. Oh, oh my god. god! No, basically, first year Harper. Well, well, I've said this to you. I'm going to save my Harper Harper stories for when we have people on who actually went to Harper. Because you know, this isn't going to be the Harper podcast. No, we? no, it won't be the Harper podcast. Tell us a little bit about the placement. We spoke a little bit earlier about my placement years and I actually found placement probably I, the most I beneficial. Agree with you. I completely agree with you. I learned more in 12 months on my placement farm than I did in 36 months in lectures. So where do you go for your placement then, Di? I went to uh, M.E. Wanup and Sons up in Lancaster. They were um, an extremely progressive dairy farm. Um, I still maintain they're the best dairy farm I've ever seen. If anyone wants to know how to farm cows, that's that's the place to go. Did you find that you learned a lot there? You were able to adapt back at home then, or did it just expand and broaden your horizons? In what way no, did you it, find it? It was perfect. So progressive and it was, so good for you. It was perfect for me because it was exactly how I wanted a farm, just on a bigger scale and the best environment to learn in. Oh yeah. my god, they were so understanding. Yeah. If you wanted to finish early, you wanted time off. They were they were incredible and. Um, Oh, and of course, they were milking. Well, at the time, I know they've grown substantially in the last. What would it be now? In the last three years, they've grown again. But at the time, they were milking nigh on five hundred cows through a thirty-six, thirty-six herringbone. Yeah. Um, I know for a fact they've now gone to three day, uh, three time a day milking. When I was there, there was an a million gallon slurry tower going up. Yeah. They were building ridiculous things on the young stock unit. I I remember blinking once, and when I opened my eyes, there was another slurry pit, a uh, silage pit going up. Just, just wondering, would the neighbours happily have you back? It was, uh, <laughs> it was a funny story there, wasn't it? That, uh, well, did, well then, you, did your phone go off quite a lot when it was the alarm time? You uh, quite oh, notorious for sleeping through alarms, aren't you, Diane? No, it wasn't. Elaborate on it this? wasn't sleeping through alarms. I just remember, of course, it was it was four o'clock starts, 
And in the, um, in the morning, obviously, is it, or the afternoon? Because I never know with you. Well, you normally come in in the form, would you? Uh, no, <laughs> it was four o'clock starts in the morning, and like I've only ever lived in a house where it doesn't really matter what you do. Mm. But of course, I was just waking up at four o'clock. That my alarm would go, so I just slap snooze, get up, put my clothes on, go to work, and I didn't realize for about my, the first three or four months I was there, the alarm would then come back on. Yeah, yeah. Because you know, we press news, it comes back on. But I'd gone, and it would just go for about three hours while the woman next door, like we were in semi-detached bungalows, and the woman next door was trying to sleep, and all you get is so one day, oh my God, bless her, she she must have been, I don't know, eighty maybe, eighty. One day she packed up the courage and she put a little note through my letterbox, and the little note said, "You are a horrible person." I from the police. No, it was this little letter that said. Can you maybe please refrain from leaving you? So, oh my God, I was mortified. So I, I think from then on, I was pulling the plug out every time. No wonder one of the famous local boxing residents wanted to fill you in. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was in Haysham, which is uh, where Tyson Fury uh, lives. And is the most surreal thing. Obviously, he grew up in a council. Forget land. Anthony Joshua. It's oh. Divey Tyson. No, me, no, me and Tyson are like, what? And then I gave him some sparring tips. I told well, him, I look forward to episode two of the podcast <laughs> with Tyson Fury. I, I told him to keep it on the outside, you know, don't let Joshua get inside. And yeah, I told him. You know, I, so would it be fair to say your team Fury. Uh, well, you know, he's the Gypsy King, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, did it? Obviously, you built up uh, a good tolerance to alcohol during your first year out on the beer old sign. But then you just mentioned now you've talked about placeman. I imagine uh, that all went out the window then, and oh you became back to being you won't believe. You know, drinking in, in my league basically, which I consider myself. Yeah, for uh, those of you who don't know, football it, league north too. For you, those of you who don't know, Jacob has the tolerance of. Do you and know? That. Do you know? Do you know if you uh, give cider to a wasp and he won't get up for a couple of hours? That's basically. Yeah, that's pretty much me. That's basically, like cider. No, um, it all you came, came to, to a, a head. wedding party one night back home here in South Wales, didn't you? It Mike? all came to a head. Um, is this the night you and your mother got quite close? I, it all came to that sounds, no, it all came to a head when I finished placement in June. My tolerance was on the floor, and I was kindly invited. I won't be invited again, but I was kind. I was kindly invited to um, a wedding party. Remember, remember Ben Ainsley? Ben Ainsley was remember, there, the famous sailor. I remember Ben Ainsley saying, "Come on, the truck." I got bottles of whiskey, so me and him were just, you know, necking bottles of whiskey. Uh, die necking bottles of whiskey with an Olympian outside. <laughs> it wasn't your standard it wedding was, party. It was the off season. It was the off season, and uh, so anyway, I was in hell of a pickle, hell of a pickle. So let's fast forward. I'm outside on the car park, and so I'm just in hell of a state. Yeah, you, and were, you weren't in a good condition. And um, somehow, the, like the, you the, look like an ewe that got into the barley. <laughs> an ewe twin lamb. And <laughs> the groomsman managed to get hold of my phone and ring my mother and said, "Oh, look, you got to come pick this rack up." So anyway, my mother drives fair play to her. It would have been, what, 30, 40 minutes? Yeah, easy. She, she drove a fair way. And, of course, there were plenty of blokes there. They arm and leg me, threw me in the car. So she starts bombing her home now. Let's get this idiot home. She starts bombing it down the motorway. And she, well, she claims that I was in the passenger seat with my face up against this windscreen. And she claims I was going... And she said, at one point, there were bubbles just coming out <laughs> of my mouth against the screen. So she's like, oh, screw it's this. an attractive thought. Screw this. So she pulled into the next services, just pulled the latch, and I fell out. And again, more spew than white lines in the car park, just spewing, just spewing, just spewing. Anyway, I finished spewing. So, right, the old girl, right, let's get him back in now. But of course, Puerco wasn't strong enough to get me up and in. So she was, you know, trying, trying, fail. So in the end, she had to ring someone at home. I think it was my sister at the time. She, she rung someone and said, Can you come, you know, got him up, but 
three in the morning. Oh, it has to be, yeah. Three yeah, in the morning. Easy, two, three o'clock. We'd all kick, been kicked out of the venue by this yeah. time. Yeah, so my sister had to drive all the way from home, down the motorway, stop in their services, park up next to her. The pair of them arm and leg me, threw me in the back seat, slammed the door and whizzed away. They were so pissed off by this point, they just whizzed away. But anyway, unbeknown, unbeknownst to us, there was a lorry driver parked up who would witness the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And he... <laughs> Poor guy. He rung the police and said, I've just witnessed a kidnapping. And it, in all fairness <laughs> to him, what he saw was two people <laughs> screaming to a car park, arm and leg, this poor bloke, throw him in the backseat, slam the door and whiz off. He, he was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Rung the police, witness a kidnapping, give them my mother's n- uh, number plate. But anyway, my mother gets me home. They arm and leg me now back into the house. Walk me through the kitchen, through the hallway, dump me on the sofa, leave him, leave him. He's a disgrace. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, gonna get the adoption papers and rip them up. And uh, <laughs> next thing, my mother, right, right, done with that. She goes up to bed. Fair play to her. Who worked out? Next thing, the door, the ba- someone's banging the door down. The poor cow, my mother. She must have gone. What the hell is going on now? So she's marched back down the marched back down the stairs. She reckons out, outside. There's two riot vans and three police cars out in the yard. Yeah, they, they thought there'd been a murder. Oh, my God. She opens the door. There's these police officers they had. We've uh, been given your number plate <laughs> in connection with a kidnapping. This is a very serious accusation. <laughs> they try arresting my mother for kidnapping. So she goes, no, 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 no. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Look, I can show you. She walks three policemen <laughs> through my kitchen, through the, land, uh, through the hallway, into the spare room where I'm well. Dry spew on my face, monged out, paralytic. And fair play, they were understanding. They said, oh, well, he'll be in a state in the morning. And well, my mother must have said something like, you wait till I bloody get older. Yeah. uh, That was... uh, I'm sure you had a smack bum the following day, dying. (laughs) Imagine if you saw, but... (laughs) Yeah, that's just a bit of an idea, really, of what sort of states uh, (laughs) Mr. (laughs) Mr. Reese by here gets into. But uh, anyway... um, so, Di, moving quickly on now to your final years in Harper, I imagine they're just pretty standard, is there? A few more drinks, a few more snogging of girls. I'm conscious not to keep going on about it. And I'm also conscious to move on to the next topic, or we'll be here all night talking about Harper no, this, like... Harper that. So, Di, moving swiftly on from Harper Adams, could you please tell us and the listeners what you've done now in the years since you've been home other than cry about past memories? <laughs> Just slowly implementing little things. Like, I remember somebody saying once to me, which was very true, they said, the problem with Harper is they teach you how to do things and they teach you how to get there, but they don't teach you how to do it slowly. Mm. Like, I, I'm sure an awful lot of boys just want to go home and boom, I want it like this. Yeah, but yeah, unfortunately, it, farming is a, it's a long-term thing, yeah, isn't it? it, you it know, it's, what's, it's, what's that old saying? Uh, live as if you're going to die tomorrow, farm as if you're going to live forever. And yeah. I think that saying is very, very true. Yeah, it's very true. Like, as in, you know... I want this, 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 and this, but I can't have it now, so I'm going to have to this year do this, next year do this, and I'm just ticking boxes, yeah. I like to say. Ah, great. So um, What a life, eh? What, what a, a life. life. But anyway, Di, I think that's enough now. Um, Piers Morgan and Louis Van, what was this, this chap called oh, you were trying to be? God, right. Have you got Netflix? Yeah, I've got Netflix. Just, just I watch, like the what? Netflix and chill with the missus now and again. <laughs> So as we come towards the end, we're going to introduce our two features, which we will trial now on ourselves, just to see if they work, basically, Jake. Yeah, yes. Sounds good. Sounds and, then, good. and then we will be presenting these to every guest we have. The first segment we have is called Can't Talk Cows Out Questions. Pretty self-explanatory. 
if the cows are out, you've got to do everything in a rush, haven't you? So basically, five quick fire questions. So who's doing Jake? Who's doing first, Jake? You or me? Well, go on, you, you can do it first. I'll ask you. I'm going first. And yeah. go on. Right. Yeah. Question number one: Most used sentence on the farm. Who the fuck is on now? <laughs> number two: Cablan classic song. God, this is a this is a toughie, really. It's not necessarily my favourite song, but it's something that definitely gets me pumped when I'm sat in the tractor, wanting to go on a night out. Then I'm gonna have to go with that. Right above it by Little Wayne. Just, just trying to stay down and hip with the kids, mate. <laughs> what's, what's so funny about that? <laughs> Good song. <laughs> Question three. The fabric favourite. Pit or Bales? Oh, I'm Bales and I. Bales. <laughs> if anyone wants some quality haylage, just get in touch with uh, Tianti and Sons Cumbersco Farm. <laughs> Question four. Four legs or four wheels? Four legs. But not just because I'm Welsh. Four legs. Question five. All-time favourite AGM t-shirt slogan. Oh, do you know what? Tough one. I'm going to have to go with hauling bales and pulling whales. Mate. And I assume that's whales, W-H-A-L-E-S. Yes, yes. No, 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 no. Of course not. Yeah, no. Right. <laughs> My girlfriend might be listening. So, um, yeah, your turn now then, David. Number one. Most used sentence on the farm. Um, it's when I brought back from Lancashire. It's ah, uh, it'll, it'll be read, it'll be read. As in, you put a dodgy load on, you put the right strap. Ah, be read. You send a cow to the field. Ah, be read. So then, as a musical god, what is your favourite Cablan classic? I'm expecting big things, David. Cablan classic. Don't even have to think about it. Be faithful by Fat Man Scoop. Was it? Was it ever in doubt? Ever. Mate, good, good I, choice. I don't know a person who doesn't love that tune. I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to agree with you. <laughs> Number yeah. three, pit or bales? Uh, pit, all day. Oof. Four legs or four wheels? Uh, four legs. I don't lie, do I die? <laughs> all right, number five, all-time favourite AGM t-shirt slogan. Um, the funniest AGM slogan I've ever seen is, is your chest a stubble field? Because I want to... Pretty disgusting. <laughs> um, right. <laughs> what? There comes the Boris Bell, like. That's the Boris Bell, and this is our second. Uh, uh, fuck, what you call him? Feature. I feature, guess. yeah, feature. Yeah. Try and keep it. Try and keep it <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the Boris Bell. We've all heard of the Bell for last orders, but of course Boris is enforcing the 10 p.m. curfew, so that is the 10 p.m. We need to get out of your Bell. So what we're gonna do? is me and Jake will get the ball rolling, but and each guest will do it after us. We're going to see off our pints, and 
time ourselves and put them on a leaderboard and the winner will get the pub yield shield i have a feeling i could be italy in the six nations after the end of this leaderboard uh probably going to get the wooden spoon if anyone's actually seen me in action yeah for those of you who don't know my gosh my gosh jacob cannot drink so anyway shall we sorry, do you want me to go first well, it depends how much time shall, shall i go first you know uh, yeah you you go first and then you know, you know. Give, you, give you time to you know go home i'll shower <laughs> yeah. yeah right jacob go first uh ev the producer are you on the ready with the timer no. Is, is this getting recorded because my hand is shaking quite a lot? If you can't see it at home right now, but he is literally trembling. <laughs> Three, two, one, give it beans. Oh, Christ alive, this is pathetic. <laughs> and he's buffaloing. <laughs> what have we got, Ev? 12. Me. 12.7 seconds, okay, okay. And that was a pint of, um, what was that of? Peroni. Peroni, oh, full of gas, full of gas. Right, Ev will just, uh, our producer will just make a little note of that, and then I'll have a go. Right. Three, two, one. One heck. Well, that was, uh, that was pretty quick. That was pretty quick. Five and a half seconds. That was five and a half seconds. It was Diet Coke for the listeners. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? okay. right, well, we hope you've all enjoyed episode one of the Pub Yields podcast. Uh, this episode's basically just a little insight into what we're going to be delivering over the next couple of months and for the foreseeable future. And we hope it's going to be something that you'll all enjoy. And join us next time for who I can guarantee is quite an incredible guest. Mm. I'm really looking forward to this guy. I've heard a lot about him. And, uh, yeah, pretty excited to say the least, I. Make sure to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And if you want to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram, remember we're at Pod. And while you're there, leave us a message or a voice note, the best of which will make it onto the show. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Bye.